The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty here again with Denny Carter. It is day three of our Radio Row Vision Quest here at Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, California, the 31st state admitted to the union. We have another great show for you today. Warren Sharp from Bet the Edge and Sharp Football Analysis is here to break down the game from an analytical perspective. Denny and I are here to share our Super Bowl memories, and Denny is going to attempt to disprove Twitter rumors at the end of the show. There's a conspiracy theory making the rounds. Yeah. very disturbing. I'm actually not sure which side I believe. It's a disinformation campaign. We'll get to it later, but it has to come to an end. We will get to it later. But, Denny, first, you know, we've been very busy here at Super Bowl LV1 and LACA. And that involves, you know, we had a combine. We blew up the Internet. We did. People were shocked that we could do basic athletic functions. Like, yeah. Uh, there's no video of us throwing a football, but they were shocked we could throw a football. It was amazing, how the people's reaction. And thank you also to, to the Kardashians for the retweets. Yeah, yes, thank you so much. And again, I mean, not to get the political, but President Biden's statement just commending us. It was nice. It was nice. It was well, nice. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, exactly. it was nice. No matter what side you're on, you can admit that he were two nice young men That's true. who did football activities. But one of the he didn't see uh, the video of us kicking field goals. So kidding aside, like we expected to be bad at we kicking did. field goals. I had no expectations. We were we were just like bombing it actually. Yeah, <laughs> what happened was you know we we get there. There's a tee. There's the best footballs you've ever seen. Like perfectly inflated. I don't know if and Tom Brady probably wouldn't have liked him, but the, 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 you know, oh, man, we is it, too, it is it too soon? Is yeah, it too soon? it's too soon. And 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 when we end up, we end up just you know nailing these field goals from 20, 25 yards. Pat is is booming them. He's missing them to the left a little bit, but they clearly, if they're straightened out, they're clearly good from 47, 48, somewhere in there, somewhere in that range. It was almost embarrassing <laughs> that 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 we were that good. And and I'm I'm only being honest here. I'm only be. It would have been funnier if we were shanking them everywhere, but uh, unfortunately, we were good. Yeah, we are willing to, like, prostrate ourselves at the altar of embarrassment <laughs> yeah, when it yeah. comes to comedy. Uh-huh. So it was kind of just disappointing when we were both amazing. When I, like, we were getting better. Yeah. Like, we when, weren't getting worse right. as we went. We were getting better. I guess I guess because I'm the kicker guy, I went first, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. I, I could actually, like, swing and miss, I think. I, I, think, I, was, I think that's in the range of outcomes. That I could swing and miss. Too. And, and I kicked it, and it goes through. I mean, it wasn't, like, the, the prettiest yeah. kick in the world. No. But it goes through, and I was like, oh, Oh, that's really easy. I didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah, and I think there. we used to have, like, sympathy for kickers. You know, they're not regarded as, like, real football players. Right. But 
the fact that we came in and we're just like immediately making 30-yard field goals, I think uh, maybe there's something too. It makes you think. Yeah, it does make you think. When it, when a guy misses an extra point, it makes you think. It does make you. It's actually just extremely, extremely easy. <laughs> so yeah, check out our video. I read, it's Denny is basically. It was a tryout video for Denny for the Los Angeles Rams. It was. In case Matt Gay cannot go on a, Sunday. As as someone said on Twitter, I'm trying to take a man's job, and I think that the person was very serious. <laughs> I'm not actually trying to kick in the Super Bowl. I I don't think I can take that kind of pressure. No, I think you could. I think you've proved you're pretty unflappable, honestly. I would be flapped. Yeah, you would maybe be flapped there, but I think you could do it. Uh, yeah, we're going to get, you know, it's actually been a slow news week. Very. Like, it's like a drama-free Super Bowl yeah. so far. There's not many storylines other than, like, tight end injuries, but we've already talked about that. Yeah, it's only uh, Oz- Ozama and, and Higby. Those are the only two stories. Do you, have, do you have any new Super Bowl thoughts? I have been claiming that every day on the show, I was mm-hmm. like, Denny, let's check in on your Super Bowl thoughts. Let's see how we're being hypocritical and, like, wishy-washy. I have new Super Bowl thoughts. I'll just, I'll just tease this because we're going to talk with Warren Sharp about these thoughts, but after reading his incredibly detailed uh, analysis of this Rams-Bengals game, I have serious questions about whether the Bengals can actually hang in there. We're going to ask Warren about that, but I do have some new thoughts. We have new thoughts, and yeah, Warren's report, which is available on Sharp Football Analysis, is incredible. I think it's literally 50 pages. It is. It's uh, everything that you could ever want to know about the Bengals and the Rams. It's everything you can want to know, and real quick, there's like seriously like almost no news. I mean, there's like coaching assistant, like Jim Bob Cooter's got a job again. He does. He does. He's got a job. Check out all the latest football news on NBC Sports Edge. Dot com. There is. We didn't know if we we, we talked about this one. There, the NFL announces me a game in Germany. Yes. Each next four years. Is that a good idea? You know, it seems inevitable that every corner of the globe will have football at some point. They'll play in Antarctica probably for St. In, Louis. in 15 years. Obviously, St. Louis is off off the map mm-hmm. in that regard. But but yeah, I, I think it's kind of natural. I think there's going to be one in, in Mexico again. There is. Uh, and you know, you have the the games in England. In Germany, it's it's going to spread all over. Eventually, there will be 50 teams. <laughs> the season will be year-round. Mexico is a really strong football market, and Germany actually is like a really yeah. good, probably the best football market in Europe. Maybe maybe England has surpassed it, but Germany is actually like a crazy good football market. We have a lot of like German followers for yes, the website. Actually, and, uh, so it'll be interesting. You're, you're right. Yeah, no, the the Brits and the Germans are crazy about football. So are the the Dutch. The, the Netherlands, yes. uh, the Holland, whatever you want to call it, because uh, they've had a few kickers over the years. Right. They're really, really into it. And they stay, they stay up till an ungodly hour they to, do. To, I have, to watch it. I wish I could remember this guy's name. He's not Dutch. He's Finnish. But I have a Finnish follower who like stays up all night drinking heavily, tweeting at me <laughs> all day on Sundays, his football thoughts. And I have, you, have you ever been to Scandinavia? I mean, not to stereotype, but those people can throw back some drinks. I've, I've heard but, that. Like, uh, Denny and I have been every night at the hotel bar. We're like, I can't have more than four beers. Right. And, like, the Finns, when I was in Scandinavia, they would drink, like, four pints in 30 minutes. <laughs> and then they would, like, brush their teeth and get ready to go out. And then they have right. eight pints the first hour they're out. And, like, they're not even buzzed. It's. I was crazy. agonizing over a third drink last night. Well, agonizing. It's funny. Should I have it? Should I not? We're not trying to do dad parody. We really were no, like, that, No, that's actually a thing that happened. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty sad. Um it's fine. We're past our prime, but you know what you're gonna do. Way past. Yeah. Some would say, but and, and I, I, you may have guessed already that uh, I decided to go ahead with the third. Yeah, you drink. did, and I went ahead with the fourth. <laughs> and then we're so we're so past our prime that now we are nostalgic. We are. We're nostalgic people. We're old enough to have nostalgia. We're gonna talk about some Super Bowl nostalgia here. 
Before we welcome on Warren Sharp. Because, yeah, there's really, it's weird. I can't. Knock on wood, I can't remember a Super Bowl week with like less pressing news during the week. Right. It's just literally like the health of two tight ends. They're important players, but usually you got something bigger than like if CJ Ozama's knee is going to be fine. Yeah, we would, you know, it, it would give us a lot to talk about, but uh, we're going to still find stuff to talk about. So, so let's go with, with nostalgia for the Super Bowl. We're going to reflect back on our fondest and most traumatizing Super Bowl <laughs> memories. And we'll start just with what is the first Super Bowl that you remember? Washington Buffalo, which was a, a complete blowout, just a just a massacre of the Bills, one of many uh, Super Bowl massacres of the Bills, and uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, and I, you know, I grew up in the in the D.C. area. This was, I think, Washington's third Super Bowl in elitist much in, in, by the way, in maybe eight years, something like that. And it was the end of it was the end of the the, the run. Program. It was the end of the run. But but it didn't feel that way in the area. It felt just like just another one. Okay, we got another one. What's next? And looking back. That was it, folks. That was the end of that. <laughs> yeah, they haven't. It's been 56 years now since the Washington football <laughs> that franchise was that. has won a playoff game. I think the quarterback for their most recent it was, uh, I mean, Otto Graham, maybe. Right. Or right. Jim Thorpe maybe started uh, the last Washington football team playoff victory. <laughs> it's hard to say. There's no way to look this up. But What, what was your? Uh... The first Super Bowl, I remember, it uh, wasn't actually a game. I think it was the Michael Jackson halftime oh. show. Yeah. Where they, like, all held hands. Yeah. And, like, that was crazy. That really made an impression on me. I think that was. Cowboys. I think that was. I can't remember if that was the Cowboys beatdown of the Bills. Or the or somewhat the, close. They were both beatdowns, but one of them was less of a beatdown. Yeah, it was they 92. They scored 55 points in one of them. It was Michael Jackson it was, 92. It was 92, yeah. And I think it was the first one. That's the first Super Bowl I remember that. I was watching it on a, like, one of those giant... There's something truly the Zoomers won't remember. I, I guess oh, most people yeah. will probably be listening to this and not watching this, but we have, we're sitting at this giant desk. Mm -hmm. That's how big TVs used to be. <laughs> right. There'd be like a giant desk and then like a, like a screen in it. And yeah, it was basically like something you have to order. They would like ship it from Germany. Speaking of Germany, they'd ship it from Germany. It would take six months to get to your house. And it was just this <laughs> giant desk with a piece of glass that emitted images. And that's what I watched the first Super Bowl on in my grandpa's basement. Yeah. I, I, I think I watched it at, on a huge screen at my uncle's restaurant. And it was the, the blurriest, worst picture ever. But it was big. And that's all that mattered it, it, is, that, is that it was a large screen. And that was impressive to all of us well, in 1991. The largest television screen in the 90s was 19 inches. We had a 19-inch <laughs> Zenith television. I don't know if That's Zenith, not true. Don't listen to them. I don't know if Zenith still makes true. televisions, but maybe Zenith should. They'd be a good sponsor for our boomer. Hey, what? Zenith, um, if you're yeah. listening. If you're listening, please sponsor our show. We had Your 19-inch television was the largest thing I had ever seen <laughs> when I was like seven, eight years old. But So that's the first Super Bowls we remember. Like, but what are your like overall impressions? Because like, you know, narrative is kind of an ebb and flow. But one of the narratives is like the Super Bowl is a blowout every yeah. year. Yeah, no, no, that's that's what I that's I came of age in the era of Super Bowl blowouts where you had the the Bills being blown out. Who? Oh, oh, the Steelers got blown out by the by the Cowboys. I, I the it, Bengals got blown out. Like, oh, well, they, like one that time was, it was close. Then they lost like fifty-five yeah. to ten. Oh, oh, the Broncos had been decimated by the Giants. The Dan and, Reeves would like lose every other Super Bowl, sixty-two to to nothing. Right. Basically. And so I actually thought, as a kid, I think I think the Super Bowl for me had a an almost exhibition feel. <laughs> you know, like the season's <laughs> over. Now the NFC gets to beat up on the AFC, and this and this is the, a foregone conclusion. You know, no AFC team. In, in fact, I remember there was a time where the the Chiefs almost beat the Cowboys in the regular season at one point with Steve 
Steve Bono. Steve, yeah, at, uh, under center for for Kansas City, and that was a big deal. That was a, no, no one talked about anything for 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 anything else but for a week, except for Kansas City came within seven points of beating <laughs> Dallas. How, how can an AFC team compete with an NFC team? Yeah, the narrative was, well, I think the NFC won 14 straight Super Bowls, I believe it yeah. was. And it was finally John Elway, who had lost like six of those, finally won. Wow, yeah. Where they beat the Green Bay Packers. Huh. And then the next year hammered the Atlanta Falcons. But, yeah, that, that was the dominant Super Bowl narrative when I was growing up. The AFC will never win another Super Bowl. And, you know, that didn't, it didn't change seem it, yeah. right? it didn't seem possible. Oh, you also have, I'm, I'm just thinking back, the Patriots losing by a million to the Packers. Yes, is it, is another yeah, one? they got hammered. That was Bill Parcells. So yeah, it wasn't even not even sending Bill Parcells to the AFC no, was enough. My, yeah, you know, yeah, he he's still got wiped wiped out. Yeah, he was the one. With Lawrence Taylor, like, you know, dominated two Super. Well, they didn't really dominate the one against the Bills. Well, I think they won by literally one point, and it was only because. Speaking of kicking being easy, yeah. Scott Norwood. If yeah, if only Scott Norwood had you know grinded kicking here at the Super Bowl. Scott Norwood. Been, I mean, get on Denny Carter's kicking level. On my level, yes. Let's be please. real. So those are initial. Hopefully this is a good show. <laughs> Dana and I are talking about being old in relative terms. I, I think mo most people who listen to this show have been dying to hear wax poetic yeah. and nostalgic about uh, about yeah. past Super Bowls. So those are initial impressions of the Super Bowl. What is the best Super Bowl of your lifetime? Best Super Bowl of my lifetime was, it, it's, it's a li little bit of a toss-up. I will say it was the, oh, I lost it now, shoot. Um, I don't remember it. I was like, how good can it uh, really oh, be? No, it was, I'm sorry. Rams Patriots, oh, uh, of course. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm sorry to say that because I know that, that hurts your soul. Yeah. That destroys, what, how old were you, 14? I was 15. F 15. It, it destroys 15-year-old Pat every time he hears it. But it was truly the most thrilling Super Bowl I've seen. Well, it would be thrilling if both teams had played by the rules. <laughs> then, then it may, that would be thrilling. We've I don't already, know what your definition. We've is talked about is. this, and it was within the rules. Yeah, maybe they weren't mugging our wide receivers every single play oh. and playing the way the game. You know, if they hadn't like assaulted them so much, they changed the rules the following offseason. Maybe if the Patriots had actually played football, that would have been a good game. Yeah, you you, sound, you don't sound mad about it, yeah, which I'm, is good. I'm it's not. good that you're over it. It's don't, been it's been tw literally twenty years. Don't put in the newspaper that I'm mad. <laughs> uh, I'm not mad about it, even remotely. The best Super Bowl for, for me, I mean, it's, it's weird, yeah, because in the 90s it was like you were just taught it's going to be 52 to 17. Yep. Whatever NFC team happens to make it yep. that year. And no chance. Like, like some, did, the Seahawks, they used to be in the NFC, right? They did. So, yeah, the Seahawks, even if the Seahawks make the Super Bowl, it's just 52 17 yep. somehow. But I don't even know the best oh, one. Oh, you know, you know what? An underrated one was Steelers. Cardinals. That was really good. Well, game. that was like back and forth. That was like a classic, like hashtag yeah. trading blows yeah. game. And that was like, uh, talk about not mad. I, I stayed rooting for Kurt Warner for the rest of my life. So I was like all in on Kurt Warner winning that game. So that was actually kind of a heartbreaker too for me. Oh, it was. I'm that was, sorry. That was the other team stolen from my town, I, the Cardinals. Yeah, you you have a lot of that. There's you a know, lot of that where you come from. It's a St. Louis uh, is known for a few things: divisive pizza, yeah, baseball. You know, there's an arch, a giant arch, and getting our football team and being robbed from underneath us. I will say, I know this is not on the agenda, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it in here anyway. The most impressive performance that I've ever seen by a team in the Super Bowl was the 49ers beating the Chargers in 1995. It's I think nine, it was. It was 94 season, it was, yeah, so yeah. 95. And, and yeah. they they absolutely annihilated them, dominated them in every facet of the game. The game was over everybody who's watching it knew it was over within i don't know three <laughs> minutes of the game clock 
ticking by. It was it was it was done and finished with, and the rest was just a, a demolition of Stan Humphreys and the Chargers. I think the best Super Bowl for me had to be the undefeated Patriots Super Bowl, and it was where they lost. And it actually one of the only times I was ever rooting for the Patriots because I like like history. Like I want to like witness oh, history. God, I wasn't. And I'm like we're gonna get a 19 and 0 season. This is actually pretty cool. And like just the like the path. I was I used the word pathos earlier. Like the yeah. pathos of that game, of like the dominant franchise, the dominant player, the dominant coach, like closing in right. on the greatest season in the history of the NFL, and then not getting it because Eli Manning, like the kid brother, just like throws a football at someone's it's just head, a garbage, and pass. he happens to catch it, and then they lose. I, and then, I, I have to say I was so relieved because at the time it was at the very it was at the it was in the very last years of my Dolphins fan and the only thing a Dolphins fan has to hold on to is the perfect season because yeah. everything else since then has been bad okay and and it's either been heartbreaking or demoralizing in every possible way so all we have is the perfect season well at least we got that and the Patriots were were steamrolling all the way throughout that season it never crossed my mind that the Patriots could lose I, I, I didn't think that it was possible, and especially to the Giants, who really weren't that good. Well, to who they beat. The, the thing that happened, remember, do you remember Do you remember the first matchup with the Giants that season off the top of your head? Yes, you remember? I do. It was, a, it was a primetime game. It was week 17. It was the game they had to win to was, go 16-0. Right, and, and neither it was team, ne, Yeah, neither team needed to play. Was, obviously, the Patriots already had the number right. one seed locked up as 15-0, and and the Giants could not improve their seeding. But two, they both like understood the stakes of what was going yeah. on, and went all out, and like the like the Giants, you like took their measure basically, and it seemed like it took a lot out of the Patriots. Yeah, and I mean that's my very scientific uh, theory for how the Giants won the Super Bowl. Uh, can can we quickly recall at the end of that Super Bowl, Tom Brady uncorked a 70-yard pass to Randy Moss in triple coverage, and he was this close <laughs> to coming down with it in what would have been the the, mo the most miraculous play maybe in the history of the league i mean when you when you incorporate context yeah because it would have been put them in field goal position Al almost only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades denny it does it does not not so much in football no not at all what was the worst super bowl of your lifetime worst super bowl of my lifetime was also rams patriots <laughs> this one from three years ago or whatever it was just a miserable experience horrible from start horrible, to finish horrible game and it was always it was only like it was never beyond two scores no. but it was just clearly not even remotely competitive. it was over when when the patriots scored a touchdown it felt com it felt over like they should everybody should pack it in go home there was no chance sean mcveigh refused didn't adjust to adjust which Maybe he should he should consider that this time. Hopefully, if, thinking about if, it if the Rams around. are are struggling against Cincinnati, but yeah, no, no adjustment. Jared Goff transformed into Jared Goff. They, they they could produce nothing on the ground with Gurley. It was it was a nightmare to watch. I've seen more adjustments than the adjustments Sean McVay made that game, which was zero. Yeah, it was, it was zero. It was they, zero. He, he, every first down, he ran Todd Gurley into the middle of the line and he gained one yard. Yeah, I've never seen a less competitive game where the winning team scored thirteen points. Just that, a hideous believe, game. What was that? Yeah, it was thirteen to three. Hideous. What in the world? I think the worst for me was this. Definitely the Seahawks Steelers, the ref oh, gate bull. Because oh. beyond like the refs deciding the game, like nothing memorable happened. 
happened. Like Ben Roethlisberger wasn't a good quarterback yet. No, no. Like he was no. just like not even good. Like the, the Seahawks offense was amazing that yeah, year, and, and they and they stunk it up. They were terrible. They stunk it up. The game was decided by the refs. Like no, that was, was the first Super Bowl I watched away from home. Yeah, just to my family. Oh, oh well, okay. Now we're getting yeah. into a, a different aspect of it. But uh, Sean, Alex, Sean, Sean Alexander had had one of the best seasons in running back yes, history. Ever. And then did nothing in in that Super Bowl. It was it was amazing. Hasselbeck, that was the year. Hasselbeck, I think. No, no, that wasn't the year he guaranteed. No, no, because win. he lost yeah. that one. Yeah, no, no, no. But 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 it was it was in that era. And Hasselbeck was extremely productive. That was that was actually really almost impossible to watch. Yeah. But Hasselbeck too. He was he was one of the forerunners of the scam quarterback. What do you mean? I'm just like, uh, oh, like, oh, oh, you're, oh like, you mean like Jimmy G? Yeah, no, like, no, more like Kurt Cousins. Oh, cu- like, yes, uh, he was Cousins. Efficient, a lot of yards, yeah. but is he actually good? It's right. hard to say. Did, did he throw passes with his QBR in mind? Yeah, yeah no, no, it was just this, this Mike Holmgren West, West Coast system makes yeah, the quarterbacks yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's true. And Matt Hasselbeck was actually very good. I don't know why I'm acting bitter about Matt Hasselbeck. He was very good. He's a perfectly good NFL quarterback. Tim Hasselbeck. Yeah, Tim. You know, he he he's, not as good. He's forged a career though. As he's one of us. He's a media analyst. He is. Um, he is, and I, I think he would. You know, he would. Agree he's quite with good. Us. Uh, we're getting close to Warren Sharp joining us. We have just a few more. What is so? What was the worst Patriots win Super Bowl uh, win of your lifetime? Well, it's, it's besides the, all of them. It, yeah, it, it's the it's the Falcons comeback. You know, and because because it, that felt like because they had lost, right? They had lost to the Eagles the prior. Prior year? They had. It was like okay. you know, it was the, it was it was as over as a dynasty can be when you're still making the Super Bowl yes, every year. Yes, right. It, they, no, they the Eagles was actually after that. Was I it think. after? Okay. Yeah. Well, there, there's no way to well, know. We'll, we'll have our interns uh, look it up. But with uh, uh, you had well, you had both Giants losses. Yeah, the Eagles was the following year. You had both Giants losses. You felt like okay, a third loss for Brady in the Super Bowl. This will be amazing. They're not even, they're not even good. This will be amazing, and and they can't stop anybody. They're not even good. I mean, they're, sure, they're in the Super Bowl yet again, but they're not even good. And and you and you knew, and you you just there was a point in the early in the second half where I just I remember like exhaling and being like, they're gonna win. It's just there's just no there's no getting around it because the Falcons were not ready and willing to do what it took to win which was to pass the ball no they wouldn't pass the ball they they kept running it i rewatched like the the 20 minute like youtube breakdown clip of, yeah while i was convalescing with the coronavirus i was <laughs> <laughs> needed things to do and i rewatched shedding coronavirus yeah i just yeah i was and... just blasting droplets on my computer <laughs> while i'm watching it but yeah i was watching the breakdown of that game and it, it it's, even now it's just so surreal to watch right like, it's just clear like the game ended, it was like I think when they even when they made it like I think it was twenty eight eleven. Like oh the game's over. Like yeah, <laughs> this, yeah, game, yeah. this game is over. Yeah, like, no, no chance. Brady goes for four hundred plus, or maybe five hundred plus yards. James like White, that. I think three hundred and fifty seven <laughs> yards <laughs> right, receiving. Right. Uh, uh, Julian Edelman has the most ludicrous catch, including the helmet catch. Nah, yeah, it probably actually was maybe even more ludicrous. No, that's what I mean. It was catch. it was yeah. it was unimaginably. Uh, a great catch. I just I hate it so much. But by far the worst Patriots Super Bowl win of my lifetime was, of course, what they did to my Saints oh, Rams yeah. in Super Bowl 36. And that actually I didn't cry, but I've cried one time during a sporting event during my life. And let me I'll give you three guesses what age bracket I was in: age five to ten, <laughs> age ten to fifteen, or age fifteen to twenty. <laughs> 
I was hoping it would be 20 to 25. Uh, I'm going to go with 15 to 20. It was age 15 to 20. It yeah. was the 2004 National League Championship Series. I am a St. Louis Cardinals fanatic, but they had not made this, the World Series yet while I was like a sentient human being. And we were up two games to, not, to, two games to zero in the series. It was starting to feel good. When we went back to Houston, we dropped games mm. three and four. In game five, Jason Isringhausen gives up a walk-off home run oh to go down 3-2. I'm just like, it's just never happening. And I, I wept. <laughs> yes. I wept. I was a senior in high school, and I wept I, the sports loss. I can't, I can't make fun of you. As a Dolphins fan, there were times like Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish. The Dolphins <laughs> literally made me cry in the 90s several times. So I wept. Well, real quick, what was the best Patriots loss? Best Patriots loss. Uh, the, I, I think the most satisfying. I, you know, it's hard. To, it's hard not to say the Giants, <laughs> uh, the, the Giants' first win. But I, I, I'll get a little contrarian and I'll say it was the Giants' second Super Bowl win against the Patriots because they're getting that, their mojo back. Man. That somehow felt more impossible because you're thinking, okay, they, they got the one. That was nice. <laughs> they can't get. They, they can't get two. And and they got it. They got it. And and the critical throw for Eli this time was an actually good throw to Mario Manningham over his shoulder near the sideline. It was a, a one in a hundred type pass and catch situation. It was crit critically important at the time and Manningham made that catch. I, I, I think it was, it could be better than the first one if the historical portion wasn't tied up with the first one. Yeah, and no offense to the Patriots fans out there, but you gotta understand. You, you, you just gotta understand. I think you probably mostly understand but you got to understand what this was like to not be a New England Patriots fan for the past 20 years and just realize yeah, nothing the, your team did mattered. The jealousy factor is off the charts. Nothing it, your team did mattered because the New England Patriots, even if they weren't going to win it that year, right. were about to win the next two. Right. Even, even if they struggled during the season, you knew, you knew that they would be get into the postseason, and once they were in the postseason, they were nails. So just let us tweet through it. We're going to be tweeting through it the rest of our lives. Right. Um, it, I mean, it is over, thankfully. But <laughs> don't, don't say that. No, it's over. Don't say that. It's not over. You, you, now it's definitely not over. It, you, know, it's, you just jinxed it forever. You, no, 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 no. The Patriots thing is done. No. It's done. They're, they're done. It's, it's the kind of thing you don't say out Be loud. Belichick will not... Reach the reach the Super Bowl again. You need to be more Catholic. Oh. You need to be more superstitious. I, I am. Like, I, I am not superstitious. I'm not even. I'm not even a little stitious. You need to be. Belichick super, will never go back. You to need Super to be Bowl. super. I am appropriately superstitious. You need to be superstitious. Don't ever say that out loud. <laughs> Final question before Warren Sharp joins us. What was the most random Super Bowl oh. of our lifetime? Well, you you won't believe this. It's another Patriots Super Bowl because there has never been a, a Super Bowl without the Patriots. No, the Patriots Panthers. I think in like 2004, so is this after the 2003 season? Yep. Such a random matchup of, you know, a team that was about 10 years old in the Panthers, and then you know, like a like a like a long time, like not I don't want to say like an original franchise, but a, a franchise that's been around forever, a, a, an ascending dynasty at the time with Brady at the helm, and they're playing the Panthers, and it, it was it was such a weird feel, and the Panthers almost pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, there had there used to be an NFL bylaw that a team with teal or not teal, what what would they call? turquoise, they turquoise, yeah, turquoise, yeah, that couldn't make the Super Bowl, and they did. They did. Yeah, and that was just that was definitely the most random. That's right. Yeah, let's cycle through these real quick. Um, any any Panthers? That was the Panthers one, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> well, the one where they went 15 and one wasn't random, but yeah, it was definitely Jake Delhomme in the Super Bowl, but. All right, you know, that's that's the end of our nostalgia trip. By the way, Denny, I've been told nostalgia just gets worse and worse as you get older. It is right. It, I, I can imagine. I can imagine that this is all we'll talk about in the future. It's all we talk about. It's fine. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. We would now like to welcome in Mr. Warren Sharp of Bet the Edge, Sharp Football Analysis, and The Ringer. He is one of the most unique perspectives of any football analyst out there. He's prepared a tremendous report on Sunday's big game yeah. that you can find at sharpfootballanalysis.com. One that Denny has poured over and has prepared some questions on. But first, Warren, how are you doing? I'm good. You know, he probably decided not to go out drinking last night. Read the report <laughs> instead. You know, 53 pages. I'm sure, you know, you got to get a lot of that's right. a lot into it. Or maybe you were drinking in order to get through it. I did. I did both. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a little it was a little both. I was mixing and matching. But I really did enjoy the report. It's, it's everything that I could have ever wanted to know about the, the trends heading into this game, analytical breakdowns. I want to ask you about a few things from the from the report. And these are things that we've talked about. Yep. But I, I feel like I have a better grasp after reading what you wrote I want to talk about the Rams play action first of all against the Bengals you wrote that the Bengals are among the most sensitive defenses against play action this season and the Rams have lowered their first down play action usage in the playoffs all the way down to 30 percent and it was at 43 percent for the season so do you think we'll see more of that from the Rams in the Super Bowl? I hope so you know I hope I, I don't know your guys take on the running game here but I really do hope that they end up utilizing the run game a lot on first down and when they're not they have to use play action right. you can't be dropping back just solo unless you're an empty right and then there's no ability to utilize play action so if you're empty that's different but if there's a back behind Matthew Stafford it needs to either be a run play or play action because that is going to cause problems for the Cincinnati Bengals right and you talked about how sensitive they are to, to play action other teams obviously have had success against them did the did the Chiefs have success with play action against them in yeah, the AFC Championship pretty much every team that's utilized it have ha has had success yeah. against them and the one thing about the Cincinnati Bengals is they have not faced very many strong run games this season right. and so when you combine that strong run game like the Rams have that's only going to bring a heightened sense of awareness of these linebackers we got to get downhill we've got to do something here to stop this run game and and when that happens, boom, play action over the top is definitely going to have success. Now, they may not have their tight end available to them with, with Tyler Higby, but there's a lot of other guys that Stafford can utilize play action and go over the middle against this Bengals defense. Do they use, speaking of the tight end, I wanted to ask you, do they use Kendall Blanton in a similar way <laughs> as Higby, or is, that, is it a different usage? You know, to be honest, I'm not sure how they're going to plan to attack the defense with Kendall Blanton, but 
it seems like they're being able to do a lot of different things with him. Right. And I think plays drawn up for him, which we were marveling at. They clearly had Kendall Blanton plays. Right, exactly. And that's a credit to Sean McVay and figuring out what to do. And I hope that they get creative. We saw the last Super Bowl that he was in, his one shot against Bill Belichick. They scored three points. You know how many points they needed to score to win the game? Only 14. Like 14 (laughs) points they would have won the game. Sean McVay, he's an offensive-minded head coach. He has to come up with some things in this game. Don't hold anything back. You've got to try to figure out a way to attack this defense as best you possibly can. Real quick, we're talking about the Rams running game. You said we don't really know Kendall Blanton because that is like hard to predict. We don't yep. really know what they're. Another thing is be hard to predict. But I don't know if you have any lean on this whatsoever. What if Daryl Henderson comes back? Like, mm. what does that what does that mean for the Rams? Like, carry touch delineation in the backfield. Will he even be involved? You think? I, I know we're kind of just guessing on this. Yeah, it do is. Do you have any thoughts on it? It is a guess, but that's what we have to do at times to try to figure out what we want to bet from props and everything else. I hope they don't ramp up the usage of Daryl Henderson. Why would you? I know everybody is mocking Cam Akers. They're saying Cam Akers is terrible. He's not going to be able to get it done. And if you look at the statistics since he's come back, he hasn't been good. So I understand where you're coming from. But when you layer on the context of the run defenses that he has played, that helps produce an understanding as to why he struggled so much. And then you say, oh, well, was Sony Michelle good in these situations? No. no. Sony <laughs> Michelle's been terrible too. So both of their backs have been terrible the last several weeks against strong run defenses. We're talking about, like for the report, I was looking at early down runs since week eight over the second half of the season. Who have the Bengals played? And they've played, sorry, who have the Rams played? Mm-hmm. The Rams have played a difficult schedule. The Bengals have the NFL's worst defense at stopping early down runs against opposing running backs. And so when you layer in the fact that I think they've been terrible and the Rams have gone up against like the 49ers who are number one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are number eight, the worst team that they've played over the last five games was the 14th ranked Arizona Cardinals in run defense. I just think there's going to be you're going to be handing the ball off to Cam Akers, right. and you're going to see that these runs that were three yards and did nothing are going to be five yards. And then there might they might say, hey, we can actually run the ball a little bit more here. So while other people are down, I understand why on Cam Akers from what his prior production has been, I'm actually kind of going against the grain a little bit on that one, and I think he will do well. And maybe a point on Cam Akers, too. You know, such huge workloads coming back so soon from that, you know, such a traumatic injury for running back. Maybe he's like you said, he's a guy who – He's the kind of running back where usually when you get him 15 to 20 carries, two or three of them will be like 15 to 20-yard runs. Those have, haven't happened yet. Maybe a guy who just ne- has been used too much too quickly, maybe like two weeks rest, like he'll be – I mean, I'm getting into like narrative. The stretch – yeah, like there be. are runs that he's been better at than Sony Michelle and where he's really struggled off of his injury, like stretch run concepts. They need to use Sony Michelle on those. Cam Akers' numbers are terrible. Michelle's are great. But they seem to utilize these guys interchangeably. This is your drive. This is that drive. And we're just going to call the same types of run plays. They need to get better at calling the stuff that Sony Michelle does well for him. And when Cam mm. Akers is out there, call the stuff he does well. All the zone stuff, the inside zone, he does really well with those. Shifting over to the Bengals offense against the Rams defense, you wrote in the report that uh, the Bengals have, among, have been among the league's most predictable teams based on personnel and Joe Burrow's position behind center. 78%. They have a 78% pass rate in shotgun this season. 74% rush rate under center. That's well over the league averages. And those percentages have actually increased in the postseason. So they've become, in many ways, more predictable. You know, what are they going to have to do to to get less predictable in, yeah. uh, in this game? And 
this is where I think you see the coaching edge. Sean McVay is a better coach than Zach Taylor is. Now, Sean McVay, dumb with his timeout usage, dumb with he his challenges. He was tilting hard in, like, in his championship. He, he, he is not a perfect coach by any stretch. He doesn't. He's not aggressive enough on fourth downs. He gets conservative too early in the game when they're up. Like, there's a lot of things I don't love about Sean McVay. But from an actual design your offense play calling perspective, I think he is superior to Zach Taylor, and that would be more on the record. You're going to be able to see that on Sunday. And this predictability is terrible because we know all of the rules are slanted towards helping offense. Yes. The only way an offense is going to give up some of their edge to a defense is if they become predictable or they just have terrible players. And we like the Bengals offense in general, not their O-line, but the quarterback, the receiving core, the running back, all these guys are above average with the exception of the line. There's no reason that then you call predictable plays based upon where your quarterback is aligned behind center. That's going to cause problems against this defense. And it's one of the reasons why I think they will struggle to run the ball early in this game right. because they're going to be predictable where Joe Burrow aligns is going to really help the Rams. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned the possibility of Cincinnati running out of shotgun, but you also mentioned that that hasn't really worked against the Rams and hasn't really worked for the Bengals when they've tried it in, in with seldom usage this year. But if, if they're going to establish the run in any way, are they going to have to do some of that? I mean, I, yeah. have, I haven't seen it personally, you know, and, and especially in the postseason. Yeah, I think they are going to have to do that. I mean, you cannot let Joe Burrow just drop back 60 times in this game right. and expect you're going to have some success. So you're going to have to run. You're going to have to do so when the Rams are thinking that you might be, you know, uh, balanced or passing the ball potentially in these situations. You just cannot be too predictable because the worst thing that you want is early down inefficiency. If they are inefficient on these early down play calls because of predictability, we see a lot of third and medium to long situations for Joe Burrow. That's a recipe for disaster with this O line against that D line. And they were very, that's what happened in the AFC Championship game. It's incredible they won because I think they ran on like 17 of 29 yeah. first downs in the <laughs> AFC Championship and the running game wasn't good and they, are the Rams basically going to dare the Bengals drunk don't the Rams play a lot of light boxes my like the Rams yes it feels like almost like the Rams will concede like some early running game production almost to like lull I mean I'm getting way into like too much of the game <laughs> theory there but well the other I thing they're going to be daring the Bengals to run I, I would too I mean if you're the Rams what I don't think that you want to do is blitz Joe Burrow because you have put in the Report, you have the exact same pressure rate for the Rams, whether you're blitzing or you're not blitzing. Most teams fall off tremendously. And in fact, so I said it's the same. It's just below 30% pressure rate, whether they blitz or they don't. When they don't blitz and get the 30% pressure rate, that's the best in the league. Right. When they do blitz and get the 30% pressure rate, that ranks 24th because they most teams, when they blitz, end up getting more pressure. So you don't need to call a lot of blitzes here. I would utilize the light boxes, dare them to run, sit back, make life complicated for Joe Burrow, and know that we are still going to get a lot of pressure even if we're not blitzing and if we're sitting back. You mentioned in the report Joe Burrow versus zone coverage, and he has – uh, a lower EPA, lower yards per attempt, lower completion rate. Everything drops off when he plays against zone versus when he plays against man coverage. You said in the report that you expect the Rams to use zone quite a bit against the Bengals. Does this mean that 
we'll see maybe some Jalen Ramsey shadowing of of Jamar Chase, and because we we haven't really seen that. Basically, um, yeah, not at all. In right. Two but years. do you think that's a possibility? It could be. I still don't see it a lot, you know, because if they are playing zone, you're not going to see right. a lot of that shadowing. And so I hope that they do play zone. In fact, both of these teams should be playing zone. Like the Bengals, I think hopefully on defense will use rush three, drop eight, and play zone behind it. These are things that cause trouble for Matthew Stafford. He's so good against the blitz. He's so good against That's how they won the AFC championship game, too. Yeah, and, and then Joe Burrow is the exact same thing almost. Like both of these guys are much better against man coverage. So you want to just make these offenses not make mistakes. And importantly, with these coaches, allow them to make their own mistakes. Allow them to call too many run plays on early downs mm-hmm. and not get a lot of production out of it. You want to give opportunities for this co- for both coaches, their offensive play callers, both of them, to make their own set of mistakes with some early down play calling. You can't give up the quick scores on man coverage or the things over the top. Right. Uh, you, you mentioned on your Ringer podcast, I believe, last week that Matthew Stafford is, by almost any measure, the best quarterback against pressure this season. When he's not facing pressure, it drops off a cliff. He's uh, in the 20s somewhere in in almost every measure. Are the Bengals just going to rush three? Are they going to continue to rush three uh, like they did against against the Chiefs? You you, you mentioned last week that they they rush three more than anybody in the league by a long shot. Yeah, by a long shot. I mean, most teams are down at four and a half percent utilization of rush three drop eight. Yeah. The Cincinnati Bengals on the season on third downs, which is when they primarily trotted out, were at 20 percent, which the next closest team was at 15 and the league average was down at 4 percent. But last week against the Chiefs, they did that on eight of 11 third downs. So they ratcheted up on third down, but they also utilized it on early downs too, far more often in that second half and really slowed Patrick Mahomes down. The great thing about Lou and Amarillo and Arumo, Luan Arumo, sorry, it's a, it's is, hard. is everybody's making that mistake. <laughs> but Luan Arumo is that they switch things up, and he's so unpredictable, and they do so many unconventional things. And this style of defense is very unconventional. But I actually think that they need to utilize this as more of a base-type defense for them in this game. Just ratchet the rate of rush three, drop eight, because it does so many different things that Matthew Stafford struggles against. And this, like, look what it did to Patrick Mahomes, who's, like, a good decision-maker. You know, he was, like, scram- like he had so much time. Like, he, you know, he was scrambling around, like, ready to make, like, the big heroic play, but no one was ever open. And, like, he mostly avoided the big mistakes. Like, Matthew Stafford's that kind of quarterback. He's a good quarterback. When you give him, like, yes. too much time like that, like, he will, like, make, like, the killer mistake. So it's absolutely would that, be, like, the preferred approach for the Bengals. That's game. the one avenue uh, to success that I see for the Bengals is just dropping so many guys, making Stafford make that throw against coverage that he struggled against, and then, you know, you know, gra- you know, getting an interception, maybe an interception or two early, and it could go downhill for the Rams from there. If, they can, if the Rams can avoid that, reading your report, Warren, I – it's hard for me to see how the Bengals can can pull this out. <laughs> I, I, I think you feel the same. I do feel the same. Well, I'll say this. I think if you want to bet this game on the money line, I see value towards the Rams. Okay. I do see scenarios where the Bengals could pull this out. I just don't see it happening enough to make betting their money line valuable. Mm-hmm. So I prefer betting the Rams on the money line. That being said, there are other ways to bet this game as well from my perspective. Like the money line on the favorite 
with a line of four should be closer to minus 200. Right now you can get it for minus 190. It might trickle down to minus 185 or minus 180, meaning that you should not be able to get a money line this cheap on a four-point favorite. Thus, there is value in taking the money line. So if you do want to back the Rams, I would definitely be betting them on the money line, not the spread. But you can also bet other derivative markets of total yards or the Rams to have more first downs. That's at minus 145. And so Rams to have more first downs, minus 145, that's significantly cheaper than laying the minus 190 for them to win the game. And most of the time, the team that's going to have more first downs is going to ultimately win the game. Warren, we, you've just done such like an amazing analytical breakdown. Let me ask you like a, like a real like classic narrative type question. Like, what is like the single key matchup you think in Super Bowl 56? Like, if you had to like, like it could be like you know coach versus coach, like running game versus run defense. But what do you think is like the critical like one-on-one -on -one matchup of Super Bowl 56? I mean, everybody probably uh, who gets asked this question is going to tell you the O-line of the Bengals versus the D-line of the Rams, and I think that that's the one that stands to impact the game the most and cause the biggest you know change in mm -hmm. approach. That being said, I do want to throw in there just the Bengals secondary and what Lou Anarumo comes up with because I think that we are discussing that more, but prior to this point in the season, not enough people were talking about it. And the things that they've done, and now that he is a little bit of extra time, Matthew Stafford has been prone to throwing interceptions. Sure. And when you looked at that report, I think 14 touchdowns to 16 interceptions when teams played zone against him utilize some of that because I mean the guy the guy is like 17 total interceptions in I don't know 30 plus or 40 touchdowns so we're talking about a massive change yeah. when you play a style of defense that causes him problems so I know it's easy to say well can they protect Joe Burrow I agree but what does Lou Anarumo come up with and what adjustments does he make because I had a big problem with the way Sean McVay executed things came in terms of coming up with his game plan as well as making in-game adjustments in the last Super Bowl of 2018 I did not like the fact that one once they lost Cooper Cup several weeks prior to the Super Bowl, they continued to trot out 11 personnel at ridiculous rates, even though Cup was no longer there. They continued to do it in the Super Bowl, although Jared Goff was under a ton of pressure. They didn't stick a second tight end out there to help chip, help with the edge. They just kept letting Jared Goff get hurried and pressured and sacked, and thus he basically tanked his own ability to do something there. What adjustments is Sean McVay going to come up with, too, to see what Luan Rumo might be doing and try to play off of that and find an edge? So this chess match when the Rams have the football is going to be fascinating. Yeah, I just think that's spot on, zeroing in on the Bengals secondary. because like, So they're not like an elite defense, but kind of like some of those old Saint team, Saints teams, they're like a big play defense where like, Wait, I guess the cliche is like bend but don't break, but they, they make game change. They're kind of like reliant on that. Like where they don't get a right. big play on defense, it's kind of like hard for them. It's going to gonna be tough. <laughs> yes. They make a lot of big plays on defense. And yeah, that's would be one avenue is just to get really, really creative in the secondary. So. Absolutely. Well, Warren, your report is incredibly detailed. I, I loved every minute of it. You, you even have, you know, the, uh, an, an end section where you, you highlight all the main takeaways. So that yeah, was, in case you just want to, you know, you don't want to read the whole helpful. thing. You can just take some notes. Yeah. But. Check, check it out at Sharp Football Analysis. Com. Yeah, awesome stuff. Truly check it out. And Warren, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just Thanks really, for having really me. Great stuff. And yeah, now I feel like I feel like we truly know about the game now that we've talked to Warren. I'm ready now. <laughs> yeah, I am. Ready. No, I, I, I am. I mean, the, the, this is a, a great report. I recommend everybody read it. Yeah, Warren, thank you so much. Check out all Warren's stuff. Check out his Twitter account, one of the, the biggest uh, Twitter accounts out there. So 
And just, yeah, one of the best uh, analysts we have going. So, Warren, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, Denny, we're going to get into now just a dumb, crazy Denny bit. Of course. Um, what what, else, really what else would bit. we do? Um, it's not really a bit. There are... Well, some some people are saying it's a bit. Some It's a shocking conspiracy, according to some people, where... Deep state. There's there's a big, pretty big movement on Twitter that suggests you are not here in Los Angeles. People cannot believe. It's a deep fake. It's a psyop. Yes. You are not... Yeah, people cannot believe that... That NBC. The August National Broadcasting Corporation would send someone like you to Los Angeles. They don't... They... they yes. Be, people have known me for a long time online. Uh, they never saw this happening. So they never saw this coming. So, yeah. And and so and so yeah so check it out we have we have many tweets here positing that I am either a CGI or a deep fake or or that I've set up uh, a Super Bowl situation a Super Bowl uh, studio in my basement <laughs> which I have not I'm in California but yeah so let's roll the t- there's we'll see some of the theories that are out there yeah, let's let's see it no one believes I'm in LA uh, keep saying it's deep fake it's CGI whatever I have proof right here look at are we in L.A.? Yes, yes, we are. Uh, what else do you need? Stop. Just- there he is on his soundstage. Uh, that's not photo. Yeah. That's just like, wh- when was that, Denny? Because that's not that's not photo. That was never. That's not me. And it, it was photoshopped. You know, it's uh, it's part of this this deep state conspiracy against me. This isn't me. I'm begging you, stop saying it. So, so first off, your proof that you're here was you talking to a cowboy's doll. And, you know, it wasn't the best way, but I, I did figure that maybe maybe people would listen to a stuffed animal over me. I, I, a cowboy's doll. Curious. It's almost like you're at the Dallas airport. Um, <laughs> you're at Love Field or you're at DFW. Someone identified me as being in Louisiana, actually, for some reason. It's just funny. So the people might think, you know, they might expect me to be like, no, this is absurd. I've been with Denny all week. I'm sitting right by Denny. Of course he's here. Frankly, I'm not really believing that you're here. People will people will say that you just touched a hologram. <laughs> you know, you touch you touch my shoulder. They'll say, no, 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 you touched the the Denny hologram. It, it's just you. Once once certain people make up their mind, you can't change it. And so I'm done. I'm done. If you don't believe I'm here, I'm not here. Well, but I, how, I you've been po- you've been posting all week. I haven't seen a single palm tree. Haven't seen a single shot of the ocean. Yeah, someone said jump in the ocean if you're there. I haven't seen a and single In-N-Out burger. So Yay, why I, don't you? I'm gonna have to stream myself swimming in the freezing uh, ocean. It's, it's like it, okay, he's not. Sure it's, it's guess cold. what? It's 88 in LA. I'm today. sure it's cold. By the way, it's gonna be the hottest Super Bowl on record. Yeah, it's not. You can read that anywhere from anywhere in the country. You don't. You didn't get that fact on the ground. I got it from the local LA uh, uh, meteorologist on Channel Two. Channel Two. I, NBC's not Channel Two. It is. It's Channel Seven. Here? Yeah. What was I watching then? I don't know. You weren't watching NBC. <laughs> Very problematic. Uh, Denny watching NBC in Maryland, it sounds like. Uh, I, I actually, you might be right. We're going to be spending the rest of the week. we got our best people investigating whether Denny's actually the game. I, I, I have not been sold. We have to look into it. We do. We have our best people looking into it. But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, hopefully that was worth people's time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they, they waited the whole show for that. They got, they got through the, the Warren Sharp analysis in order for us to uh, talk about this conspiracy. Thank you so much to Warren Sharp for joining us. Truly check out his report at sharpfootballanalysis.com. The best it's preview good. of the game you'll see anywhere. And thank you so much for listening to us today. Thank you for listening to us all week. We've got two more great shows coming up from Radio Row. We have some great guests lined up. So please join us again on Thursday and Friday. For Warren, for Denny, I am Pat. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.